0: And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful.
1: I have a bad feeling about this.
0: What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what?
1: It's the good, the bad, and the what?
0: Lost your train of thought, didn't I?
1: (laughs) Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to another episode of The Good, the Bad, and the What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm very happy to be back on Mike. It, it sounds like we both had some good, good holiday time off with mm-hmm. our families. Um, I'm grateful, uh, you know, to have the power back on. Uh, hey, yes. We tried to record last night, and and 30 seconds into the Zoom call, boom. <laughs> uh, so if you're a Washington listener, uh, stay safe out there. It's yes. very, very windy at the moment, uh, but thankfully the power is back, so that we could. Uh, record i guess you know nature didn't want us to talk about these movies and i i can't imagine why Um, Uh, i kind of don't want to talk about these movies (laughs) no that's not true (laughs) (laughs) ouch uh but we did tease it at the end of the last episode it is uh now new year it's 2023 um we could put 2022 to bed but we we decided you know we definitely went horror holiday horror heavy we came you know we're like okay we're gonna do no horror for a while after october where we went horror heavy and then we did mostly all horror movies in december (laughs) so we're like you know what why don't we just round it out and embrace it embrace it and do new year's horror movies maybe the only three new year's horror movies that are out there uh i i guess maybe there's probably others there's a couple uh, i
0: i looked it up but and, and we'll get into it, too, but it, it seems like one of those situations where they had a script for a horror movie, Halloween hit it big, and then they tacked on, like, oh, this takes place during New Year's sort of deal.
1: Right, yeah, that's, exactly. That's where, like, this, because this was the... the at least two of these movies came out in mm-hmm. the sort of like the, the you know like you said Halloween hit it big so all these slasher movies came out that had to have some kind of a holiday associated with it be it you know Friday the 13th obviously the, the most famous one but I think My Bloody Valentine came out around this time as yep. well um and then two of these movies came out the same year as Friday the thirteenth. Um I'm sure you have a whole list of, of ones. I do. Yeah, I see that. I saw you pull the as I was talking, I saw you pull out the notepad. So I'm like, I'll just shut up and let you you take it over before we introduce these picks. Well, I was actually
0: going to introduce the picks first and, and that would help us give a little bit of context. And so first off, I'm gonna say I know the show is good, bad, what. The today we're talking bad bad what. Uh, we've done this before. Um, where none of the movies that we're gonna talk about today are good or I I wouldn't argue that any of them are good, right I won't speak for you. Maybe you have a different feeling.
1: uh I like one of these movies that okay. may not be it may not be the one that people uh, expect, I guess, but uh, we'll we'll get there when they get there. But y- yeah, good, they're just they're relative terms. I mean, we've yes. said it before our these movies and the show doesn't live in a vacuum. so mm-hmm. it's like these movies relative to one another. It's more like, bad kind of interesting bad kind of boring and then what yeah i think it would be how i how i classify these movies that's totally fair i would (laughs) would completely agree with that classification um
0: i i think for me uh what we're going to talk about here is about holiday horror in general and in the success uh, of of what it means to be a holiday horror movie so to introduce the movies good quote unquote good Um, We've chosen New Year's Evil from 1980, directed by Amit Alston. For The Bad, we've chosen Terror Train, also from 1980, directed by Roger Spottiswood. And then for The What, we've chosen Bloody New Year from 1987, directed by Norman J. Warren. Um, You will see that one of those things is not like the other, that being the movie from 1987 is coming off in the back end later in the 80s after the glut of horror movies have happened and and people are starting to get tired of them. Um, But for those two there that were released in 1980, um, a lot happened after Halloween. People will, will say that it probably started with Black Christmas from 1974, of course, being... Um, it, Black Christmas wasn't a huge hit but it has a lot of respect from people in the horror community it's it's a fantastic movie and in many ways you can definitely see how Halloween was following in the footsteps of Black Christmas um, yep. there's a lot of the introduction being from the point of view of the serial killer um, sort of uh, w- women or um, college age girls being stalked inside of a house uh, by a, a knife wielding maniac um, you look like you have something to add
1: no, I don't. I, I, I okay. don't like it. I was trying not to burp. Sorry, I don't want to be rude. It was like, just caught you, could in my throat, so. you could have added <laughs> that. Um,
0: but, so Halloween hits in 1978 and is a runaway success. It was made for dirt cheap, made uh, a shit ton of money relative to its budget. And so then everybody, as you've already said, uh, like Friday the 13th being one of the more famous ones, uh, jumped on the bandwagon of saying, okay, well, we need to make our own slasher movie, um, and it needs to have a holiday bend to it. And I, you can make an argument with Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th isn't really a holiday. It's just a day. And it, I mean, there's a Friday the 13th coming up this month. Um, it's just a Friday. Uh, it's just associated with bad luck. And I would say in terms of keeping a theme with the holiday, what's more bad luck than getting slashed to death at the summer camp that you're working at? Uh, that's, that's a pretty shitty day to me. So I think it fits within the theme. But in 1980, we also had Terror Train uh, and New Year's Evil, like we said. But we also had uh, Mother's Day, uh, Christmas Evil, and Prom Night, which was also uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, to me, also the most like tenuous holiday, like Prom Night, is the the, the sort of backdrop for this slasher movie. Um, there's actually several school-themed slasher movies. Graduation Day from 1981 being another one of them that's really Slaughter, Slaughter High Slaughter High, Yep. Yeah. Um, And then the other ones from 1981 were My Bloody Valentine, which you mentioned. Uh, Fighter 13 Part 2, which of course those came out yearly. Halloween 2 came out. Uh, It it took them a couple of years to to push out the sequel to that movie that nobody wanted to make. Uh, Final Exam, which again isn't really a holiday. It's just exam week at a college. Um, uh, And then Happy Birthday to Me, Bloody Birthday. And this really kind of... Over that two-year period is where they sort of just all came together at once. And to varying degrees of success, I would say for most of those, they were big flops. And I would even say that for t- today's picks, none of these movies were successful. And I and I wouldn't I, I haven't known anybody to regard any of these movies as like, oh yeah, this is like a must-see horror or like a high-end horror
1: yeah, I, well, not a, in a high end. I do think that some people have an affinity for Terror Train. At least mm-hmm. that's one I've seen around. Because that was probably, I think a lot of people, you know, of a certain generation who love horror also caught a lot of these on late night cable. So it's like you just, it was just you saw what you saw sort of thing. Like I know sure. people who have affinity for like Halloween 2 over 1 just because that was the one that was, you know, probably because it was put up by Universal. So therefore syndication rights, therefore it was on whatever channel four channels that somebody had at a certain time so you know so it's like i could see where the affinity for something like uh terror train exists uh and we'll get to terror train when we get there but uh but yeah i don't think any of these movies are, are held in like the highest of, of esteem by any stretch i mean we're 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 lucky i get lucky i guess in air quotes that you know these movies are all accessible because of you know these boutique Blu-ray labels that we sing their pra- praises and and you know bang the drum for. And I think New Year's Evils had two different ones at this point. I think one by Shout Factory and now by Kino Lorber.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so you know, like we we get to see them now because of this. But uh, are we the better for it? That I think that'll be the question that we <laughs> answer by the end of this episode, <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah, and I, I think we could probably just launch uh, directly into New Year's Evil. Oh, no!
1: One night they were celebrating New Year's Eve. He was out, ending their life. I'm going to commit
0: murder at midnight. One terrifying night of unspeakable evil. New Year's Evil. Um, which just to, you know, a little bit of housekeeping, get the, uh, uh, synopsis out of the way, uh, during an LA-based televised New Year's party, a killer by the name of EVIL, uh, calls in to tell popular DJ Diane, uh, played by Roz Kelly, that he will kill a new victim at midnight in each of the US-based time zones before he finally kills Diane last. I'll just start
1: with you, Ryan. Uh, What are your thoughts on New Year's Evil? Well, for one, the... I regret reading your take on the movie before seeing the movie that you noted that the, the killer, when he says evil <laughs> sounds like mermaid man from SpongeBob SquarePants, because I couldn't, I couldn't unhear it. The second he said it, I was like, yep, that's in my brain now yep. for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so uh, new year's evil. It's, it's so for one, how is this movie that was made in 1980? one of the most 80s movies i know like 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 it's, it's like did you know i wasn't alive in 1980 but like did did like did the new year's ball drop 1979 january 1st 1980 and then all of a sudden just everyone everyone dressed like that that was the vibe like i don't know but you know i have no idea though of course a lot of horror movies that i think we love are either set somewhere in like Bumfuck Midwest like mm-hmm. Halloween, for example, or they're set in upstate New York, like uh Friday the thirteenth, or in New York City proper, where it's like, you know, 42nd Street kind of scuzzy, and it oh, has sure. it had that seventies feel even for a while. Um maybe that's just how LA was. And that I think that's the other thing too, is it's it's unmistakably an LA movie. Um, like there's they like the the vibe is all LA. They go to famous like they go to the Van Nuys drive-in at one point, uh, which was famously recreated in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Brad Pitt lives in a trailer outside, in, in that movie, so if people, you know, for people who remember that, so so it's like it's it's a very LA movie, and that's something I, I don't feel you get a lot in horror movies. So that was kind of a cool vibe to see, but um, I I wished the movie just speaking of vibe just vibed a bit more. Because if it was more sort of, like, atmospheric, I think I could roll along with it, you know what I mean? Like, but the fact that the movie, um, the movie tries to make it a whodunit, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that was a, that was a Friday the 13th, I feel, edition, because, like, uh, you know, I, I I guess to a certain extent, Black Christmas as well, um. Mm -hmm. Black Christmas was a who done it. Um Halloween wasn't. No. But, you know, but it did <laughs> it, obviously it was he done it. It, it was that he, guy right he, there. he he done it. Um <laughs> and, but, you know, this the you know, the success of Friday the 13th after the fact, you know, is is like another layer in this sort of onion this tale that you're telling about these slashers because like after that movie hit it big, all of them had to have this element of like, well, who done it and we're watching this movie as if it's like something like after hours or miracle mile watch we're watching the killer over the course of the night yeah do his thing so i'm like we know who done it like that's i guess somewhat spoilers but like we know who done it right we're watching him do it right why are you adding a who done it to this movie like it's just, like just like have it be this sort of like um I like I don't know like 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 I said a Miracle Mile or like a, a After Hours like it's it's got that vibe to it but then they try to shoehorn into a Who Done It because you know these were the movies that were hitting big and making a lot of money so we have to have that right. and I feel like the movie's worse off for it because it's like you had a really you have a good premise um, you have a good premise you have a good vibe you have a rocking soundtrack uh, <laughs> you know going along to it so it's there's a lot of potential for a fun movie here. Mm-hmm. And it actually uses its uh, New Year's Eve setting as a plot device, um, you know, which we'll get into in the next two movies. But uh, New Year's Eve actually, like, you know, fits the the plot that's happening in the movie. But it's just a little, it's just ultimately a little dull. There's moments of life. I feel like there's that whole, I think that whole stretch where he goes to the drive-in and runs into the biker gang, and then like he's trying to like kill that one woman, and like that whole stretch of the movie is like really fun really entertaining but Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of tedium in it unfortunately but i've gone on way too long what what are your thoughts on new year's evil
0: Uh, i mean a lot of the same i I think the reason that i would continue to argue that of these three movies that this one remains in the good is that as you said it does use its setting of it being new year's eve in its plot like integrates it and i think it integrates it well it's a neat idea but then i think you're absolutely right that the who done it element hamstrings the plot several times, but it also hamstrings the other characters. Because so we're introduced to Blaze, who's hosting a a, a big time like coast to coast broadcasted uh, television show. Because there there's like camera crews that are in New York, that are in Chicago, that yeah. are in Aspen for some reason. Like that was like the the best thing they could find yeah. in mountain time.
1: It, it was like a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a riff on like the Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve. Right. Like kinda. Right. That's what they're just trying to be, Yeah, Yeah, that's what it's trying to be, but she's
0: hosting it out of a, uh, a banquet hall at a Holiday Inn, uh, and we know it's a Holiday Inn, because there is a, an establishing shot of the Holiday Inn building before yes. this, so
1: we know that that's exactly where they are. They kind um, of try to make it look like it's CBGB's or something, but like, yes, it's a Holiday Inn. It's a Holiday Inn. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I've worked <laughs> in enough ballrooms, and I'm like,
0: ah, this is a holiday. <laughs> and we we are introduced to Blaze, and then her, her son, who is used as a red herring in this movie, but to no effect. Because, like you said, we know who the killer is the whole time, so there's no purpose in even trying to throw us off the scent. We watch him kill people. Um, but... Uh, she goes on TV, and the killer calls in, identifying himself as EVIL. Ballet's here, a crazy new year to you. Happy new year to you, Blaze. Ooh, some kind of voice you got there. Sound like the Phantom.
1: You could call me that.
0: So you got a name, Phantom?
1: Call me... Evil.
0: Evil? You bad, No. Just evil. With a little like voice changer, which reminded me of uh, uh, Night Killer uh, as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> a, a little
1: bit. <laughs> it, all roads lead back to Night Killer. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, it's like a, it's like our six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, six all, degrees of,
0: of Night Killer. Um. <laughs> But he calls in, gives her the score of, like, at midnight, I'm going to kill somebody, and then eventually I'm going to get to you. She's freaked out by it. She calls the cops. And then, like, we get a detective show up. So, like, we're we're being presented with sort of this this setup that's at the Holiday Inn that uh, we have a cop who could be filling in as sort of a Loomis role. Who, like, you know, hey, you know, at first, I don't really, like, you know, it's, it's some crazy guy who's calling in and... Um, you know, harassing the show, you know, that's not paid any credence. But then as soon as, uh, he goes to a, um, a sanitarium or, or a, a, a just a, a, a nut house, and he kills a nurse, like he's dressed up as a, as a, uh, orderly. He gets in there. He is able to isolate one of the nurses with like an offer of champagne and sex, um, takes her off into a side room. And then as the, the countdown is coming on the radio, he records the sound of him stabbing her and killing her. He calls back into the radio station to be like, hey, I killed a chick, check it out. It it's play, and it plays back the sounds. And so then they know that this guy's for real. And we get a new scene of the cop being like, okay, well, he's probably going to kill somebody in central time now and then mountain time, and he's eventually going to come and get you. And then the guy like more or less disappears from the movie. Yes. And we go back to following the killer, and it's like, why, why introduce a cop if he's like not gonna do his job? And like, there's a, there's an opportunity here for like a, a cat and mouse game. Like, what if, just imagine if that cop went out on the streets, and he was following leads, and it was like it was like the final 15 minutes of Heat, where like our killer is trying to stay one step ahead to get to the next kill by midnight with this cop hot on his heels, and we know that the eventual destination is. The holiday inn like the, mm-hmm. like there could have been a bit of intrigue and a bit like using the ticking clock element of like what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next but because the, they more or less just hang out at the banquet hall of the holiday inn then we just get a shitty version of like henry portrait of a serial killer going on in the back end of this weird like ballroom that we keep cutting back to for like garage bands to play like their pre-mixed tapes Uh, on the radio show and it's it's just such a such a disappointment because it i can
1: see this little idea there that could have been really really cool absolutely well i i feel like the movie it reminded me of actually the most um and i thought this movie was much better uh and it was also made by canon i think three years later is ten to midnight It was like you know where it is kind of a cat and mouse game. Oh, Charles Bronson is is you know chasing the killer and he's like so like certain and is actually like getting shit done. This is before this is when Charles Bronson still gave a shit. (laughs) Like like that like small period where the canon movies where like he gave a shit at the start and then kind of just is like "Ah, yeah. Death Wish ten to midnight and then then it was gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty pretty much. (laughs) Murphy's Law, forget about it. But um, (laughs) but. Um, but it reminded me of that movie a lot because it's to the point where I'm like that detective who ends up instead of being like a cat and mouse game like you said, who ends up being more like the sheriff from Death Screams where he just disappears for of the yeah. movie. except we don't get the benefit of that amazing ending of Death uh, yeah. Screams um, if he would have blown his
0: head in half at the end of the movie it would have redeemed the rest of it <laughs> yeah. who was he? I don't
1: know, I uh, don't know. <laughs> go home but, <laughs> But like that, that that detective should have been played by somebody like Charles Bronson, or at least like someone along those lines, mm-hmm. and actually be like more engaged in the plot. But like you said, we get a we get a Henry Portrait of the Serial Killer, but like but like a bumbling guy. He's kind of like and I ke- hate to keep throwing just a bunch of comparisons, and it's a bit anachronistic because it's a much later movie. He's like the guy. In uh he's like the hitman in Mahalan Drive who like fucks up, like he shoots that guy and then like the alarm goes off and the maid comes in and he mm-hmm. shoots her and like he's trying to cover it up. It's like it's like he's that guy, but they made a whole movie about it. Right. <laughs> but without like an absurdist sense of humor. It's just like they're trying to make a forward slasher. But it's like I had a hard time being like, Is this supposed to be funny? like because I 'cause I don't know. Like I no. like I was like, if this is supposed to be funny I don't know if they're totally succeeding, but I'll, I'll respect it maybe a little bit more. But the fact that I was like, I don't think, th- I don't know if this is supposed to be funny. I think this is just kind of bad, but I don't, I, I mean, not There it's are some attempts
0: at humor in the movie, but it's like, they're not going for a dark comedy. Cause I mean, like the killings themselves are brutal. Like he's stabbing people with, with a, a switchblade. Mm-hmm. He suffocates a woman with a plastic bag. Uh, yeah, he like he's doing gnarly. Also shit. Also, like death movie. screams. Also, also like, like... uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh. What year was death scream? Who ripped <laughs> off who? <laughs> uh, I mean, death screams was definitely after this movie. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but the no, I, I I and I didn't even mind it. Like the guy who is playing the the killer, uh, who is uh, uh, Kip Niven. Um, I think he does a great job with like the role that's available to him. I mean, like he's mm-hmm. he's playing unhinged. He is uh, adequately terrifying uh, in in the role. Um, his motivations are really fucking weird. Uh, I mean, like the spoilers for all of the movies because who gives a shit? But um, we very early on, as you said, the the. Um, the red herring element there, or the whodunit element, doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we're watching him the whole time. But not, not only is that going on, but uh, the first kill we get is like a, a Jalo-esque kill where yes. um, the I think it's like the assistant for Blaze, who who is um, Ross Kelly's character, uh, gets killed in her uh, Holiday Inn uh, bathroom uh, by a black-gloved killer. Uh, which to me was just like okay cool black love killer that whodunit element now works because there's a shadowy figure who could be anybody who's going like maybe they're going to stick in the Holiday Inn building and just kill people but then no we we very very quickly uh, immediately see a full frontal face of the dude as he's murdering so we're like oh okay no never mind we're doing this now but yes the not only that there's a phone call that happens where. Um, Blaze is talking with her son, and uh, he asks something about, like, do you know where dad is? And she's like, Oh, he like took off to Florida, um, he's probably like doing a bunch of cocaine or or whatever. Uh, like, who gives a shit? And so then, immediately in the mind of the viewer, like, okay, so there's an unaccounted for dude in like who, who's maybe supposedly supposed to be here, but seems a bit flaky, and he has a drug problem. Maybe he's the killer, and then of course, like the movie does a bait and switch at the end of it, where they uh, have uh, the killer show up at the hotel, goes into Blaze's dressing room, and she's like, "Oh, hey, it's you," and he's like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I, I heard on the the radio the kill the somebody called in and I came to make sure you're okay," and it was like, "Okay, this is supposed to be the reveal that the husband is the killer," but like, we guess that within the first three minutes of the movie and there was nothing adequately in here to lead
1: us otherwise well no and they keep trying to like show like the sun doing weird shit to try and yeah wait that he's the killer like wear that like red mask that he's got like like wearing around and it's just like no we 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 know who done it. So yeah we, we, we we're watching him right now like you're cross-cutting and, and, between and the even, scenes and even the ending, they try to like you know insinuate that like he's part of it or like what or that sort of internalized misogyny because that's what it ultimately is. Yes, like the, the husband's a, a, a huge misogynist. And he's an incel, he basically. Y- exactly. Yes, you he, he nailed it. He's an incel, and so um, the they, you know they're trying to like just show that that passes down to the to his son and that's sort of like internalized, but like. I don't know. It's just like attempt to have like, ah, didn't you, didn't we get you? It's like, Mm -hmm. no, you didn't really. We saw that coming from this whole thing coming from uh, a mile away. (laughs) No. Yeah. Like none, it's all poorly set up and
0: executed. And like, I mean, like I said, it's a shame because like, there's an inkling of a good idea there. Um, I did like his whole, and by like, I mean, ironically, uh, his whole, uh, I need to give uh, an explanation for my, you know, killing people sort of rant that he gives her in the elevator where he's like such a sniveling little wiener where he's just like
1: <laughs> i have to
0: ask you for for every penny i ever get and you didn't give me my allowance so it's just like uh, th- th- uh. <laughs> it's, it's, he's such a pathetic little bitch the entire time that he's like crying about it and like Uh, I, I love that he goes to the roof after he gets in a shootout with the cops. He runs up to the roof of the building and they got him like at gunpoint and he decides to recite fucking Shakespeare. Like he's John DeHart. Like in his (laughs) his final moments, he's just like to die, to sleep no more. And I'm just like, shoot this guy in the fucking head. Don't even let him finish the little soliloquy, but then we get a bad dummy shot. So that was worth it.
1: Now I'm just imagining this role but John DeHart is I would the love killer. <laughs> Now I want to see that movie. <laughs> so
0: when they go they go to that open bar to pick up that girl and it's an open mic and he just goes up to the mic. He's he's the killer and the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the other on radio show, up oh, next is John DeHart. You're fire. Take you by about yes. hand. With the shimmy slide, <laughs> <laughs> the shimmy slide in the 1981. Oh. Um, that would have made the movie much better, honestly.
1: Um, <laughs> he was still trying to pass his, his bar exam probably <laughs> in, in 1980. <laughs> oh. So. Um, anyway
0: yeah do you have any other uh notes? <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs>
1: 10 out of 10 no notes no not really not uh, ten, it's, out of ten. No. it's 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 a it's a it's it's just a it's a frustrating movie like yes. and i know this is our good it's a weird thing to say but it's just like but it's it's it, it's good in this relative speaking here because right mainly because it uses its holiday to its advantage. It's got a couple cool ideas. Uh, and it does have a good atmosphere and a good rocking soundtrack. But, uh, um, they like, there's that, um, what's that Joe Bob Briggs phrase of, like, there wasn't a, a lot of plot to get in the way of that movie? This mm-hmm. is the opposite. There's too much plot that gets in the way of this movie. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and if there wasn't, it would be, I think, a fun time. But, yeah. Streamlined, alas. this would be an excellent <laughs> movie. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I will say, I don't know what happened, but, like, this, like, the when it turned January 1st, 2023, this movie seemingly disappeared off the face of the earth from a streaming perspective. Like, cause I even had it. It was like on Paramount plus in my queue ready to go. Then I went to just watch and it's like, it's not available on any of your streaming services. It's like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> where to <it> go? <laughs> See, I,
0: I, uh, had the benefit of, I went and watched it in, in 35 millimeter at Coolidge corner. Um, uh, so that was well. like, that was, like, a cool experience, like, to see it on the screen, and it looked cool in 35mm with, like, all the, you can see all the impurities and stuff in the film. And That's and always the best. It's always, like a, like, a really good atmospheric thing. It also helped that as the movie was starting, the the Canon group logo came up on the screen, and the guy in the row in front of me goes, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: always the best when that yeah. happens. That's, I love that interaction. That was, like, when uh, I saw The Visitor uh, during its, like, restoration run back in 2013. 13 i think at the hollywood theater in portland and uh gulio paradiso was the director's name but he went by michael j paradise for the the u.s release <laughs> and his name comes up a film by michael j paradise and the guy next to me was like nice name <laughs> <laughs> i'll never forget it was it was uh it was good uh but yeah i had to i hate to say it i had to watch it on youtube because yeah it was seemingly just scrubbed from the face of the earth i think Kino Lorber now has the Blu-ray rights, so maybe when the year was up, like they, they lapsed, because a lot of their stuff's not available streaming, sure. so um, I think that's what happened. But uh, either way, it, if this sounds like your bag, it's out there <laughs> on Blu-ray, courtesy of Kino Lorber, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think either of us particularly recommend it.
0: No, I can't recommend it, unless it... if if you're like a horror completionist this might be something on your list or if you are able to see it in something like 35 millimeter in a the theater that's a fun
1: experience but like oh yeah i wouldn't seek it out if i had the opportunity to see this in 35 i definitely would have would have jumped on it the way you did like mm. for sure so but that's probably the only way yeah um, a movie i probably wouldn't jump on the opportunity to see in 35 millimeter no. is terror train no uh absolutely not <laughs> <laughs>
0: The students aboard. It's going to be the one party to end them all. They're always walking out of my parties, but this time you can't. My last big college party. Hey, hey, hey! Take it easy, man. What are you doing? Oh my God! Terror train. <laughs> now, let me just really quickly. <clears throat> um i just realized i didn't take feeders 2 out of the title so this is the bad feeders 2 colon terror train um oh man that would actually I would i'm on board that. with that actually that's okay uh, no the the synopsis is on the anniversary of a monumentally depraved new year's prank a group of pre-med students embark on a train ride costume party to ring in the new year however lurking amongst the cars is a bloodthirsty slasher bent on slaying each of the pranksters Uh, There's also copious amounts of magic show footage. Um,
1: (laughs) Ryan, I'll throw to you again, what are your thoughts on Terror Train? Uh, Also frustrating. Yes. Uh, I I think because much like like New Year's Evil, there's a great premise in here. Uh, Maybe arguably even a better slasher movie premise. Uh, New Year's is totally inconsequential. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just get that out of the way. would be like, this movie could have been set at any time. Yep. It doesn't matter that it's set at new year's. It just happens to be when it's set. Um, but the actual premise here of somebody killing people on a train, so they can't get out of the location. You get everybody in a place and you can't get them out. That's good. You know, good storytelling horror storytelling. Number one, number two, they're everyone's costumes. So they're killing people in costumes and then they're taking their costumes uh, so you don't know who the person is. Mm. Also a great throw in the mix. I think uh, I, I read on Letterboxd, my my friend, uh, Trace Silver, who also writes for the Austin Chronicle, uh, compared the killer to Agent 47 from the Hitman oh, series, where yeah. they're killing people, and then just taking their clothes and dressing yeah. them up. And I was like, that's an accurate comparison. I love that. I was like, I'm going to credit that on the show because that's great. Um, so great idea, but also the same fatal flaw as new year's evil in that the movie tries to instill who done it when we know who done it mm-hmm. um like even more so than new year's evil whereas oh, like because yeah. new year's evil like it's never said point blank but we're like we know who this is based on just you, the logic and deduction and we're watching the killer do the thing right um versus this one it's like there's actually a setup and a person for a motive for doing this and then they're the clearly the unaccounted person from the party from you know three years ago so you're just like okay it's that person like the movie tries to make a red herring of like who they were among the people but it's like it it's, it's it ultimately doesn't matter we're just like we're watching this person do it and so it's it's there's no real sense of who done it and therefore because of that but it tries to do who done it we're stuck with a lot of just inane interpersonal slasher filler drama not actual drama like slasher movie drama would you know what that is it's just means to get us to the next spot for the killer to strike again. Um and the kills also aren't that like great, like they're they're kind of kind of dull. Like it's just just knife by knife and bottle and just Well, most eh. of it's off camera and yes. then we come back to see the aftermath. Yes, which is like, eh? Like it's it's kind of frustrating cuz like this the the director of this movie, he probably has the most esteemed filmography of the three that we're talking about today Roger Spottiswood because he started like a true journeyman he started as an editor and he was one of the editors for uh Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs and Pat, Bar- Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid and he uh was an editor for uh Hard Times the Walter Hill film with Charles Bronson um and he must have struck a relationship with Walter Hill because he also co-wrote uh, 48 Hours and then, you know, this was his first directorial effort, but he went on to do, like, Turner and Hooch, uh, The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He did a Bond movie, he did Tomorrow Never Dies, the oh, second wow. Pierce Brosnan Bond. He did the esteemed um, Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty classic, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, um, the esteeming pile of shit. Uh, uh, <laughs> someday coming soon to a good bad one oh, near no. you oh, I, no. I had the vhs at my grandma's house like when i was a kid so like i have a weird like soft spot for that movie is, it's gonna it, be the good is what you're saying no it, it oh <laughs> the what at best but uh but like i i have a weird soft spot but that we'll save that for another day but but like the guy quality of that movie aside but like the guy can do like technical setup like the six days to action you know good action movie tomorrow I'll never dies you know it's a bond movie has a great opening set piece um you know even uh, uh stop from my home shoot has some good action in it and it's just like what is going on in this movie that's just so damn dull like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know it's just it, it's frustrating like it's it's uh i think i jokingly called it murder on the boreant express <laughs> like <'cause> that's that's <laughs> that's what it is it's it's just it's so boring no it's incredibly boring
0: and i will say that it, the the cold open that we're set up with is honestly pretty horrifying so the the, yeah. the friends take um the, the, there's appears to be some sort of hazing thing that's going on i don't know if they're in a frat i i think they are in a frat they are in a frat okay yep so they're like hazing these guys and you have to wear a beanie or a hat of some sort throughout the semester until you lose your virginity. And then you can take the hat off. And so they're at this party. There's clearly a couple of stragglers that are in the group who are like, you know, considered the losers of the bunch who have not uh, had sex yet. And they convince Jamie Lee Curtis's character um, to sort of help them out with a prank, uh, which is really mean spirited, even if it didn't end up the way that it did end up. But, they want her to go up into like this room and hide behind a curtain and then uh, uh, talk to this kid, Kenny, and sort of convince him to get into bed. And I don't know how she's not in on the setup of this prank, because um, she seems to be completely unaware of, of the actual finality of it until it's, it's already happened. But right. basically, Kenny comes into this dark room. Jamie Lee Curtis is behind this curtain that's like, hey, Kenny, come uh, plow me on the bed or whatever and kenny climbs up on the bed i mentioned that these are pre-med students one of the guys in the group took a cadaver of a dead woman uh and put her body in the bed and so kenny is like touching up on this corpse and the guys come in and turn the lights on and he realizes what's going on and he spazzes out and like does a twirl thing on the bed and he's screaming and then we start the credits and we cut
1: forward a year and it's, it's or is it a year or
0: three years. Three I, years
1: later, three years Cause later, because it's, it's like they're I don't know, it's supposed to be either like a freshman or sophomore year and they're graduating. And the, that makes the, sense when they fast forward. Yeah. yeah. So. Um,
0: so, yeah, we fast forward to them getting on the train, which, as you said, the fact that it's New Year's is completely inconsequential.
1: Honestly, this feels like Halloween. it should be April Fool's. Well, April Fool's definitely because of the prank-centric, but, like, also people are dressed up in costume. It feels more like a Halloween party. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's
0: not a New Year's thing to dress up in costumes, I don't think. No,
1: but people are, and, and I guess there's maybe, if this movie's famous for anything, it's, like, that first kill iconography in the uh, Groucho Marx mask, mm-hmm. I guess is like plastered, which I guess <laughs> I know it's Groucho Marx, but it looks more like Gene Shallot, <laughs> the way <that> it's printed. <laughs> so that makes my murder on the Borean expressed uh, yeah. terrible pun accurate in this uh, situation. But uh, yeah, it, I guess it's, there's a little bit of iconography there, but it's, it's like, you know, like you said, it's like, we, we know, we know who done it. Like everyone's getting, they basically get on this train that we find out through, dumb teen college like drama bullshit that like jamie lee curtis's boyfriend uh convinced her that it was his idea for this and like this is all for you and everyone's on it but it was actually their friend doc who's like you know like the sort of ringleader of all of it and he's like a total huge like, asshole, asshole. Yep. yeah like his he was sort of the one behind what happened to kenny and like his, his his pranks go too far and so like they find that out later that she's like i never would have gotten on the train had i known that was your idea and blah 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 blah, blah. Mm-hmm. um but like they're anyway they're getting on the train and one of the guys is trying to tell jokes in the groucho Marx mask uh and then like he's the last dragger to get on the train he gets stabbed uh, and then the killer grabs the Groucho marks mask and gets on the train. And then it's like, oh shit, all hell's gonna break loose. And it's like very slowly, like molasses does hell oh. break loose. <laughs> and that's that's gonna
0: be my main complaint about that setup because, like, that kid getting killed and basically being traded like Shelly and Friday the 13th part three, where they're like, ha ha great prank, and he's bleeding out. That's great, love that. Um, the look of the killer in the Jean Shallot costume is awesome. I think it looks really cool. Yes. It is kind of a bummer that he switches costumes later, uh, yeah. Because you're like, he looked the best in the Jean Shallot costume, but okay, like now he's in a lizard costume, and then he'll just do that throughout the entire thing. But my main complaint is, like, almost every kill in this movie <clears throat> is treated like the Bob the Ghost scene from Halloween, where <laughs> yes. The killer is in the costume, and we, the audience, know the killer is in the costume, but the character in the scene doesn't know the killer is in the costume, so he has to very slowly approach them before going in for the kill in order to build tension. But, like, you shot your wad on the first kill, and now you're going to do it two times, three times, four times. And we're just like, okay, like, the the pace needs to change as the audience gets more information because it's not going to – it's the same complaint that I have when we talked about Friday the 13th Part 8. Where Jason busts in the room, the person screaming, and he very slowly makes his way across the room. <laughs> he raises his pole arm. She's still screaming, and it's like we know that you're gonna kill her. It doesn't. It can be a two-minute-long scene, or it can be a fifteen-second-long scene, and I know which one I prefer. Just get it done
1: and move on to the rest of the movie. Exactly. It's like I I don't, you know, the the, the meta-type stuff can can irk me if done wrong, but it's like I was just. I was praying for someone to, like, pull a Rose McGowan in this and just be like, oh, do you want to play killer? Am I helpless? (laughs) Like, I was like, just somebody do something else. I'd take Shannon Elizabeth even. Oh, I'm I'm a bloody gross head. I'm a severed head. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Still talking as they throw the head in the trash can. I would (laughs) take that. That'd be amazing it would be something it would be something and i guess we'd be, <laughs> i guess we'd be remiss to not introduce like introduce the other attempt at a red mm-hmm. herring in this movie which is other than jamie lee curtis probably the biggest name in this movie is david copperfield yep. himself has an appearance as a, a magician sort of disgruntled a bit he's like oh my god i'm doing a like a fucking like college party like they don't pay attention to this shit and this is mm-hmm. an art um he also looks like nathan fielder young david cofferfield and i couldn't unsee oh, it um, yeah, he does. the whole time where i was like i i, I kind of was like is this the rehearsal is this because <laughs> 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 this, this movie would get a whole lot better if that's what be amazing turned into. uh alas it does not but um uh but they try to set up i mean spoilers but again like whatever it's you've seen this type of movie before even if you haven't seen this movie they tried to set up that he's the killer like kenny grew up to be that person because he had an affinity he liked magic and Mm -hmm. they looked at his yearbook photo and they're like oh my god he looks exactly like the magician um and but it's it's the same problem with new year's evil where i'm like why are you placing a whodunit in here it doesn't matter if he is the magician or not like that's totally inconsequential it's still this character of Kenny, we know this, and we've known this from the start of the movie. Why? Why even bother? Right. Well, and we
0: we know that whoever the killer is is hopping costumes and going around and killing people, and so then timeline-wise, it doesn't it make sense because David Copperfield is. In, there's like a train car at the back of the train that is like the magician's stage. And that he's his all of his setup shit is in that car and he never leaves it in the whole movie.
1: He's always back there doing his shows. Even the timeline of who they show he is doesn't make sense. No. Either. Like, I I was sort of, like, baffled when they revealed that. I was like, wait, but, no, what, huh? No. You were on a different cart dressed as a lizard. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be the next point, too.
0: He never leaves (laughs) it, and neither does his assistant. Spoiler alert. Uh... The assistant is Kenny. And, like, honestly, I was not that irked by that reveal. What, what irked me is that it, there, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So I, I like your point where if it's a costume party and the killer is jumping costumes, we as an audience, it's sort of like a game of cups where we're trying to figure out, like, okay, so who's in what costume now? Who's missing from the party? What costume could they be in? That is a fun way to set up a slasher. But you can't have that set up at the same time as we have an ensemble cast of eight characters. Any of these eight characters could be the killer because if they're covered in a costume and you're not revealing their face, then it doesn't matter. We don't have an option to to guess who it is, especially if, by logic, the characters are appearing in scenes that they can't logically be in if the killer is somewhere else on the train. So, like, the whodunit element is drawn... Like, they fumble that ball several times because if they hadn't have had... If they would have treated it like a black-gloved killer, where mm. there's hands coming into a frame and, and stabbing somebody in the throat, that could have been anyone's hands. And so we're like, okay, it could be anybody in this cast of characters. But we get full body shot of Gene Chalet, or the Lizard, or any of the other costumes that they put on, and then we're cutting back to a train car full of our cast of characters. Then we're like, okay, it's anybody but the those cast of characters, because the killer's up the train a ways. So it can't yes. be any of them. And then they reveal that it's one of them. And I'm like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> it you can't make have sense. It both ways. No, it, you can't. Ugh. Uh, but I didn't I'd mind s- it. Like it, 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 it. It's a decent reveal if they had not had that same setup.
1: Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not irked by the the reveal of of who he is. You know, it's not right. like uh, he's he's dressing in drag. It's not like I mean, even though I love De Palma's "Dressed to Kill," it's not like the implications of that, which are hugely problematic for some people, and I completely understand it. Or sleepaway no, camp. Or, yeah also, i was say yeah. that yeah e- e- think equal think line the thinking here uh, <laughs> with these with those two movies but uh you know it, it's not i'm not you know it's not problematic by any stretch mm. uh, you know it, it it uh you know no, I, I that doesn't irk me. It irks me because it makes no damn sense. It's like the, the it's like that Seinfeld. Like, does this offend you as a Jewish person? No, it offends me as a comedian. And that's right. Like, does, this, does this offend you as a like an advocate? No, it offends me as a screenwriter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. This <laughs> doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> and
0: uh, I, we haven't even gotten into because we mentioned that David Copperfield's in the movie, but we haven't really talked about. Just how much of the screen time of this movie is dedicated to people
1: doing magic tricks. And not even what, just David Copperfield. There's other Everyone characters. Other people are doing magic all the time. All the time. All just just it's 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 like people will just break out like like it's a musical but except but for magic tricks like <laughs> just for close like hand people, magic people will just break out into magic tricks and it's <laughs> like why is everyone here so obsessed with magic it's it's, it's all
0: over and like I get it as a theme if you're going to do what they're trying to set up of like a bait and switch you know misdirection and like swapping something out I get it as a theme but then like they fucked the theme up like like from how we've just described like it it wasn't a bait and switch at all it was it was both like at the same time like it, it's it's not a magic trick if we see the hand the whole time and then <laughs>
1: They should have done magic as like a means to like the deaths, like right. Yes. That would have been like even a, a better option to, to do. Like you know, like like what what if like the the like you know is a playing card. Like is this your card? And, but it's got like a like a razor blade in it or yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Like is this your card? Like yeah, you know, so something like that. Like there's there are a lot of cool ways you could have went about it, and they didn't go. Any of the ways that they could have, like, cool ways they could have gone
0: about it. Or, like, uh, like pulling the endless scarves out of their mouth, but then the end of the scarf is tied to their organs, and so when they get to the end of it, they just slide everything out through their esophagus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to open up a final draft right now. As we're, as <laughs> I'd watch the shit out of that. This. That'd be awesome. There, there's, and that's what makes the movie frustrating, is there's so many different avenues for, like, it's got a great premise, you have a claustrophobic setting uh magic that's unique like it's just all these cool ideas but they just aren't strung together in a way that's exciting and then it's just kind of it's just a boring slasher with a who done it element that's totally unnecessary because we know who done it so it's just uh, you know it, it, it's just a, a just a flat line that i i think like well and
0: uh, speaking of the premise like not the premise the the location it, they actually shot most of this on a real train. and yes. So in order to do that, so the, the cinematographer for this is John Alcott, who shot with Kubrick. He shot The Shining. So he's no stranger to shooting hallways in interesting ways. And in order to like keep their lighting setups to a minimum, because they had, you know, one limited space and then two like limited time, they needed to be able to move between the carts. They ripped mm-hmm. everything out of the ceiling of the train cars and rewired them and put in new lights with dimmers. And so then they could set the lights to the ways that they needed them in order to shoot the shots and have like different layers to the lighting and different colors and stuff. So people can move around and they could get the shots to look the way that they could. So like, Frankly, for a movie that's shot inside of a train, it doesn't look terrible. Like it, there's some stuff that looks pretty decent. Unfortunately, it gets pretty samey because we're just on a train. We're just on a passenger train. There's not a lot of like really
1: interesting stuff to look at. Uh, yeah. it's not like Snowpiercer where like everything is like a different, you know, obviously right. a different type of movie, but like everything's a different, you know, it, it it's it's you know, it's but it's not that. It's like you said, everything looks samey. And we shouldn't mention it, it's not like a it's not like a massive like uh like travel train, which they even say in the movie. They're like, We're not Amtrak. Right. Like the, the it's it's like this it's like where I live if you went to like the Snoqualmie Train Museum. It's that it's that kind of train exactly like to a T of like kind of a kitschy like we go around a couple cities and come back kind of oh, yeah. kind of train like well a, like the a,
0: sleeper oh. cart that a kill takes place in is literally like bunk beds on either side of the train cart all the way down with just pole curtains to to cover up where your bed is at and then yep. the aisle is for one person to pass at a time like it's just this itty bitty little train car and we spend yep. a fair amount of time in that train car because a kill happens in there. So they had to like do the setup. The kill had to happen in there. The train mm-hmm. conductor comes to find it. He comes in and shows Jamie Lee Curtis that her body is in there. So we spend a lot of time in there. But it's
1: just a long, narrow hallway with blue curtains on either side, with dim light. Yes, it's it's like another movie we talked about on Good, Bad, What, even though it's only in the opening scene of the movie, like Cat Baloo, where they're in like the, yeah. the car, like the bed car. It's exactly that kind of bed car, except the movie knew to actually get out of that that yes. space uh after about five <laughs> minutes <laughs> not this one everyone just keeps coming back to the passenger, the, the, the sleep car it's just like all right we gotta we gotta move away from the sleep car. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh, and then i mean we can say in terms of the ending of the movie uh is is about as abrupt as an ending <laughs> to a movie could be. You get your uh, favorite
1: thing. You got your favorite thing in two of these movies. I so. did.
0: Yes. I, my favorite thing in the world is bad dummy shots. Each of the movies had it ended with the killer and a bad dummy shot. Um, of course this one, he, uh, uh, he, he confronts Jamie Lee Curtis being like, you're, you're just like the others. You haven't changed at all. And then he asks Jamie Lee Curtis to kiss him. And she does that brings him back to that night where he was with the dead body. And he, has another spaz attack and gets up and ah, starts screaming, spinning in circles. The conductor comes running him, uh, you know, Deus Ex Loomis, and he's got a shovel in his hands, hits him at the back of the head, knocks him out an open train door as they're passing over a bridge that's over a frozen river, and a bad dummy shot of him nose-diving into a sheet of ice and then sliding into the river and his dead body floating off, and then the movie just ends. Like We, we just get a shot I, of the train rolling shot.
1: into the woods and then credits. I, I I was shocked. I thought there was going to be, like, a sort of recollection or something between some of the living characters. One last
0: twist, a Ma,
1: anything. Even, like, even as lame as New Year's Evils was, I thought it was going to at least try to do, you know, something like that, right? And it's like, nope, movie's over.
0: That'd That'd be be just as
1: easy to to be, like, they
0: could have showed definitely the train rolling into the station and then, you know, her talking to the cops and then in the background stepping off the train. Somebody getting off the train wearing one of the costumes that we saw the killer in earlier because we never saw him change out of it. And then, like, oh, there was two killers the whole time. Like, top of my head, I just came up with that. And that's a million times better than just having, like, ah, just cut to black credits. Fuck it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> who, who was he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> Death Screams. And that's... And that's <laughs> now I just want to rewatch Death Screams. Yeah, so I guess so we're just going to end this discussion by recommending that you watch Death Screams. <laughs> i'd recommend death screams all day every day like over 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 this movie um, oh, w- yeah would you recommend this movie to is there anybody no that you would oh yeah yeah me neither <laughs> I would not. it was no i wouldn't especially like you listed i don't know how many slashers at the beginning of this and it's like most of them i wouldn't recommend but i there's a bunch of them where you said like i would recommend over this i mean like sure. my bloody valentine 100 percent, which is yep. actually a good movie um prom night bloody, even prom night i would even yeah and i don't think prom night's that good it's not good it's better than this this. uh christmas evil all day every day all day every day bloody birthday i would even recommend over this uh with the weird creepy killer kids uh like yeah i would yeah there's a lot of the ones you mentioned where i'm like yeah i would still recommend it over terror train this is definitely a a bit of a wet fart in terms of a, a genre that definitely um you know was not seeking new avenues and we're just trying to you know kind of just do the same thing and uh, this this one was very evident in that. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Everything not, is tacked on in this movie. And I would not recommend shows. it. So, but uh, but a movie I would recommend <laughs> though, <laughs> shockingly <laughs> so. I'm, I'm excited to hear your reasoning. <laughs> is Bloody New Year?
0: It started as a day out, a trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. For those who dare face a horrifying and bloody new year dead or alive they are locked in time forever
1: trapped in the hotel of horror they can check out anytime but they can never leave i guess maybe housekeeping i could read this one if you yeah. want see if you were the last two uh let me pull up our show flow here um uh, while fleeing a duo of violent bikers and the most dedicated carny in history a group of five friends crash a boat off the coast of a remote island upon exploring the island they find the grand island hotel decorated for a new year celebration but there doesn't seem to be any guests that is at least any guests that they can see um so yeah this movie uh <laughs> do you want me to say what I thought of it? Or do you want me to ask you, what did you, what did you think of bloody new year? Maybe
0: I'll get mine out of the way because you're actually going to recommend this movie. I, I can't recommend this movie. Uh, I, it was, we were just talking about this off mic where I had watched terror train and, uh, and new year's evil. And I was texting with you and I was basically like, both these movies kind of suck. So, uh, I don't like, this is going to be an interesting discussion. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing Bloody New Year. And then you had to text me to remind me, like, you've seen Bloody New Year. We watched this as part of our corn screen. And I had to, like, look it up and be like, I kind of remember this movie. And then upon rewatching it, I think I'd seen it twice. But <laughs> I, I can't even say for sure. And then after watching it recently this last time, I had to watch, like, a Cliff Notes version of it again to try and, like, get it straight in my mind. Because this movie is fucking incomprehensible. And I won't even say in the worst of ways, it's, it's baffling. And I don't know what they set out to do. And I also can't say for sure if
1: they accomplished it. And that's what makes it, gives it an edge to me over these sure. other two movies. I mean, cause it's, it's one of those, cause I'm in the same boat as you, uh, no pun intended. Cause we do spend some time in a boat. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, it, the, the the thing is, you, you can't apply logic to this movie. Like no. it, it doesn't exist uh, uh, whatsoever. And um, I wish I had I wish I had rewatched it with the director's commentary. Uh, you know, because it's the only special feature on the Vinegar Syndrome Blu Ray. Uh, Norman J. Warren, R. I. P. He passed away, I think, last year. Um, he did a movie, and Vinegar Syndrome actually put out a lot of their movies. I think Inseminoid is probably his most famous movie, but he did a movie called Prey. Uh, from the early 70s that I fucking love that I will have to put on an episode at some point just uh, so we could talk about it because it's great uh he did a movie called terror which was sort of like a a, a, a not an American because he's a UK filmmaker but like a I don't know a British version of a giallo kind of mm-hmm. um he did a movie called Satan's Slave there are multiple movies called Satan's Slave but the one he did was from 1975 with a um uh, it was okay but an amazing menacing turn by Michael Goh who most people from our generation will know as Alfred from the, the Tim Burton and Mike Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Okay. So watching th- sweet Alfred be like, <laughs> like make a turn like Vincent Price and Witchfinder general was like, Oh my God, like okay. terrifying. Um, I recommend that movie alone for his performance. Um, But this was his last movie. I mean, I know he just passed away recently, but this was the last movie he ever made. And I, I would like to, I would, like I said, I wish I would have done more research because there, it just, and even if, if you are, you know, a frequent watcher of vinegar syndrome, Blu-rays, you'll know that like occasionally, because they only put out stuff that's, that's on film though, there'll be a disclaimer at the beginning of the disc that will say like, Oh, like we use the best material we have, but uh, maybe some scenes we had to switch to the master tape or, uh, you know, from 35 millimeter or whatever and this one they basically said like yeah some of it's this is the only print in existence and some of it's really beat up mm-hmm. and you could tell like there's some reels that are pretty pretty scratchy uh even on the restoration but um but yeah this movie's it, it's it's absurd like it, it it's ridiculous like the the movie starts with a a slamming uh song called recipe for romance Oh, and yeah. it's like and it's like this uh it's like this uh um you know it's new year's eve 1959 is the footage they're seeing so turning turning into 1960 um and they uh and it, it's it ends up like people do like a conga line and then it kind of comes to color and there's like one woman wandering around and the ballroom looks like it looks like the new year's eve uh, uh, ending of uh phantom thread <laughs> a little bit oh. like <laughs> and so do i There's a couple like famous contemporary auteur filmmakers whose movies I I picked up on like similarities. And my headcanon is just that like Paul Thomas Anderson's a big fan of this movie. The opening pier scene reminds me of Us. Uh, so I'd like to just say that I think Jordan Peele's a big fan. There's that scene that goes completely backwards in the kitchen, which is the best scene in the movie where I was like, okay, Christopher Nolan's a big fan of this. (laughs) Like like everyone's (laughs) just likes bloody new year. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, that's my headcanon. That's Uh, my headcanon. It's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, but it's like, so she's like wandering and then she like kind of pulls into a mirror and then it like kind of cuts to contemporary time where they're all at this like pier and then she like a bunch of other people a bunch of other randos are just like going on rides and shit and she's uh like on the tilt-a-whirl with like two biker punks it is her i couldn't figure it out. i think it is i thought it was her uh from is who it was... that would make so much sense because because
0: <laughs> that cut that cut is absolutely fucking jarring and it makes it look like it was a dream sequence and she just woke up underwater. Because we cut to a dude doing a wheelie across the sand on a beach and then we see a girl come up out from underneath the water in the ocean like, oh! and we're like, to me when I was seeing it, I was like, did she just... Did she fall asleep underwater and then, like, had a bad dream and then that woke her <laughs> up? Is that what they're implying by that cut? Because I, I had no idea
1: why it cut that abruptly. It's like Inception. Beginning of Inception. Yes. The, another Christopher Nolan movie. We're oh, on no. you, Nolan.
0: <laughs> oh, you got something to answer for, Nolan. It's also
1: a British movie, like, too. Nolan's British, so I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm We're just saying. connecting connecting lines. Uh, but, but anyway... But I I don't know. I thought that's I thought that's who that woman was because it's okay. just, just cuz she's not part of this group and so she's just randomly there being harassed on the whirl by these two like biker punks who for I some reason I couldn't tell are if like, they were employees because the carney uh who's running the ride
0: who is uh he is the guy who runs the Winchester in Shaun of the Dead. Yes, um, is the carny of the Tilt A Whirl. He sees those guys harassing her, and he's not doing shit about it until those guys come in and, and try and break it up. So I couldn't tell,
1: like, if he's, well, he's like punk. in league with them. I think so because he he is prominent throughout the movie at, along with those same biker punks, and yeah. he's cha- he's chasing them after the fact. Um, yeah. And sidebar, I know I'm throwing out a lot of insinuations of filmmakers who might like this movie based on stuff, but Edgar Wright's got to be a fan of this, oh, this sure. one. I I know I've said that before, but I know he's a big, he's a big horror nut. There's, and it's also a UK movie. There's no way, there's no way Edgar Wright isn't a, isn't a fan of this movie. But anyway, so he's being harassed by these two like biker punks and then the car and he's just sitting there, let him do it. And then uh, one of the guys pulls the spark plug out from the tilt a whirl, and then it stops. And they like the, the 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 punks go flying, and then they get the girl, and then they chase them like like a Scooby Doo episode through this like pier, and like almost complete with like the brrr, like running feet as they like pew
0: and take off yeah. And shit. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, <laughs> like well into like, a haunted
1: ride or like a like yes.
0: a, a scary park ride sort of. And that attraction. was the part
1: that reminded me of of uh, of us when she when the beginning mm. of us when she sees mm-hmm. herself or her doppelganger down there in that that ride. So, um but anyway, so they go through the spooky ride and then they're chasing them and then they get their car which they have a boat attached to to the hitch and then they is bust. that
0: their car? That's actually a good question because like they're not in a boat or anything. Like we never see
1: them drive anywhere. And then all of a sudden they have a sailboat on the back of a car. Well, they, the boats attached to the hitch of the car Mm -hmm. and then they drive it. And then all of a sudden they're in the boat. So I was like, I guess you're right. They probably stole it because I'm like, someone would want to go back for that car if it was one of theirs, but they just get on the boat and go leave. Yeah. They just leave. And then the boat gets a a hole in the bottom of it. And then they're trying to get the water out and then they have to swim. And then that's how they end up on this Island. Uh, And they end up at the hotel, which is decorated all for New Year's and all for Christmas. And nobody's seemingly there. Um, And then it turns into sort of an Evil Dead situation. Mm -hmm. Where, like, just, like, sort of, like, goopy, like, demon creature makeup uh, people are just popping out. And um, it's sort of tricking people because some of the people that they know are now, like, the demon. Much like, you know, the Evil Dead. Um, So it becomes sort of that situation. Um, Well, there's, like even beyond that i mean there's there's a bit of
0: of the shining as well because there yes. are ghosts there's a ghost maid that like comes up and gives like one of the girls a blanket and then she like disappears into it. Mm-hmm. and they're seeing reflections of people like leaning in through doorways and they'll turn and then nobody's actually yep. there the so, new
1: year's eve party instead of the fourth of july party yes yep. exactly nice yep. party isn't it yeah, exactly <laughs> um, it was definitely definitely some shining for i was sure. waiting for grady to show
0: up uh but then they also... There's at one point where they go outside because they can hear people talking and laughing and then there's nobody there. But they can still hear like, basically a laugh track that's playing somewhere around them in a field. And then we even get an Evil Dead vision, which is clearly a camera on the end of a board. Mm-hmm. People running with it, doing the... Yep. Like, we get that same exact Evil Dead demon vision. So they're wearing their inspirations on a sleeve and, and I can definitely like commend them for that. Like, that's fine if you watch the evil dead and you thought the evil dead was fucking awesome you wanted to incorporate it in your movie i also love the evil dead so that's totally fine by me what is weird to me is that they i didn't feel that they were doing anything anything like new with it it felt really just like it's a nod to the evil dead
1: it's just like okay well why like where are we going with it in the story oh i i don't know it's evil, it's evil dead <laughs> like, yeah oh, it it, it okay. feels like It feels like one of those movies, and again, I'd I'd have to get the more context, where it felt like, you know, knowing it was his last movie, and it's vastly different than any of the movies that I mentioned at the start of the episode, it definitely, it, A, feels like a gun for hire, and probably also, like, a clash of, like, producer and director, so, like, this assembled version was probably by some producer who's, like, whatever, just, like, have the bits of, of gore, and the bits of creatures, and the bits of, like, you know, like, cut it down to the bone, cut it down to its bare essentials, so, like, i have no idea i doubt a longer cut exists since this is the only you know print in existence but it feels Mm -hmm. like there's probably more because there's there's a whole like subplot that like kind of tries to explain everything that's going on with like uh yeah let's get into that yeah because it's like a a, uh you know it's a it's a a device of some kind because it's like uh like a like a the dawn of 1960s it's like it's still very much like uh like Cuban missile crisis Mm -hmm. like era so they were coming up with this like like i don't know if it's radioactive but some kind of like technology that like and then uh, then it sort of like went kaput like it was like a top secret thing and so there's like a sort of a bit of like oh that's what's like causing all of this but it doesn't really it's sort of just introduced and never really like built upon it's just sort of like a. well a it's despair. not built out like so no. they
0: <clears throat> there's one point where they're in a, a hotel room and i would i should mention that before we get to the evil dead demons a lot of the stuff that we see in the hotel that lets us know that something is off or something is like a, a magazine will flip closed or yeah uh uh uh, uh there's like a Record player, the lid closes by itself, or uh, a pool ball comes out of the pocket, goes across the table, and then like re racks itself. So, like, we're seeing stuff like this. And one of those things that we see is that our characters leave the room, and then the TV clicks on, and there's like a radio broadcast. And on the radio broadcast, yeah. they're talking about this experimental, uh, and I, they may refer to it in, in this part of the movie or other part of the movie, but they refer to it as like this mirror technology that is supposed to render. Uh, a plane invisible or or render something invisible and i think what they're talking about is like if you wanted to drop a weapon then they would be able to use it to hide their their aircraft from sight and so while they're talking about it they're talking about like later on the program we're going to show uh this uh plane and then uh, somebody says like oh well we just got word that there's some sort of like instrument interference, and and so we're not going to be able to show the plane. So it's insinuated that this is happening on New Year's Eve, and then later on in the movie they do they first they hear a plane mm-hmm. come down, and, whee- and it blows up on the island, and they find a crashed plane, and so we see this, and so we're supposed to insinuate like, okay, this plane was carrying some experimental government thing that is supposed to make things invisible or do something with some weird technology. Uh, We're seeing traces of people. Like, we're seeing shoe prints and stuff in the sand and nobody's standing there. So it made all the people on the island invisible, I guess. And, And these people are just assholes and are just, like, using their power to turn TVs on and, like, do poltergeist activity, although they're completely, like, there. But then later on, there's the scene where... Uh, they go into the ballroom, and then one of the evil dead demons appears and gives, like, this long, like, exposition dump about, like, we, like, we're caught up in some kind of accident, and we're not only invisible, but we're caught, like, in time. Like, we live here forever, and this is done something... You've always something... been here. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, you've always been the caretaker. And, um, it, it, like... It's one of those things, too, where, like, it's not explained very well, but then it's explained in two different or three different ways, where it's just like, okay, are they invisible? Are they dead? Is this a time warp? Is the island invis- Like, none of this is explained really well, and it also doesn't explain why inanimate objects can become demons. Like, a table at one point becomes, like, a ghillie monster and attacks a woman. Or, like, the banister yes. on the stairs, the he- the bird head comes alive and bites one of the ladies on the hand. And it's just like... yeah.
1: What is it? I don't or like <laughs> and or the bike the bikers and the carny show up inexplicably how? on the island. I have no how? idea how. <laughs> but they show up and then they're they're like demon zombieified also. yeah, uh, which uh, and the zerox like,
0: because they get tossed off of the car in a car chase and then like we smash cut to them like out on the boat. like we don't even see them like barely escape in the car, get on the boat and then they take off like running from the guys. like they leave them in the dust. Drive on down the road some distance, get in the boat and go. And then not only do the, the two biker punks and the carney reunite, they then find their own boat and go off in the ocean and find them on this invisible experimental island full of ghosts. And like they just show up too. Like they're they're off like yeah. looking at this house and then the carney dude like blasts through a door
1: and starts yeah, swinging he a kicks chain it around. In just yeah. like... <laughs> it's like Where I'm the here fuck now. did you come from? <laughs> it's 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 bonkers. Like yes. that's that's the thing. It's 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 incredibly bonkers. And you're right, it doesn't do a great job explaining some of this stuff. And it's sorta of like your 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 mileage may vary on your tolerance for just like bonkers, weird things that are happening. Um, which, you know, it might be high some's higher, some people's are higher, some people are lower. I think after just watching how boring these two movies, the last two movies were when it got to this. I was like, oh my God, something's happening. Why is it happening? I don't know, but something's happening. Something and is happening. I'll something take it. is happening. And I will take that over, over like just, just tedium. And I, uh, I, I have to chuckle a little bit cause I just, I was just going to keep the theme going. I thought, of, I thought of another filmmaker who might be a fan of this movie with the plane crash, with the plane crash on a, a like island that may or not, may not be real. Uh, Olivia Wilde might oh. be a fan of this movie because that happens in don't worry darling uh as well so i uh,
0: i love this headcanon of trying to like, in a very convoluted way explain why big time directors and filmmakers are are fans of this obscure late 80s uh shitty horror movie that we have here i, I think i think uh
1: i i think there, i think a compelling case could be made uh <laughs> <laughs> i think it's there again i think i think in reality in reality the only one we mentioned who probably actually is a fan is edgar wright i think probably. that's probably the only only uh, logical one but uh i just i like to think christopher nolan's a big fan of it especially that whole that kitchen scene which is incredible like yes where they get the, they they get in the kitchen and all the, the forks and the spoon like everything in the kitchen starts spilling out and attacking them and then all of a sudden it just reverses; every single thing goes back in its spot, and I'm just like, "Is this tenant? What is going on?" <laughs> oh, and then they just like walk out of the room, and they're like, "Huh, that was weird." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> I, I will say that's the one thing I will I will grant you, like like that I I agree with you on. Like, it, it's it, this is this this might be an agree to disagree because again, the movie makes no sense, so it's just how do you feel about it or not. But I will grant that was one thing that did get a little bit repetitive. Uh, it, it is this the huh? That was really weird. Uh, like, Let's go look at something else now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one has any urgency
0: the entire time in the movie. They'll exactly. see weird as shit and then regroup and then basically... Like, there's even... There's even... what My favorite part of the movie probably is um they go into like the billiards room and then one of the girls uh and you'll probably notice that i'm saying like one of the girls one of the dudes i have no idea who any of the characters nope. in movie movies me neither i've are.
1: seen it three times and i couldn't tell you even looking names, at the so. IMDb page doesn't help it's it's not it's not doing me any, they don't say pages. people's names really in the movie because it doesn't nope. matter there's no they're not personalities characters. yeah they're just no. they're just a group of people who need to come to this island because plot like that it doesn't it the movie happen. couldn't happen if they weren't there, so here they are. Um, but
0: there is a, a scene where they're in the, the the pool room, and the one of the girls like opens up one of the shutters, and there's somebody at the window. It's like ah, oh, and he like ducks out of the way, and she like lets out a scream. He's like oh my god, there was a man at the window. And then like the, the dude like goes over, and kind of briefly looks out of the door, and then he walks back into frame and goes uh, like oh, there was nobody there. She goes ah, it's probably somebody working the grounds. Yeah, you're probably right. And then they like continue on with the conversation and then like there's, there's like she was just yeah. like scared shitless and then like yeah it's probably somebody who works the grass <laughs> oh, okay yeah when they just like start talking about other shit and it's like nobody finds the situation that they're in weird another dude goes into the ballroom and that that band the duo they appear on the stage with their guitars singing a song that's different than the uh uh, that's a recipe for, for a romance. They, they're not doing... It's some other song, but they're doing yeah. a duet and then they disappear and the sound cuts. And then the door behind them opens and closes. And then he kind of just looks around and goes, huh. And then he goes and rejoins the group It doesn't say anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> it's
1: like... It's... It's... <laughs> yeah it's it's so like there was a cut. <laughs> it's it's like it's like the way the way they say it especially the grounds creeper like, oh, it, was the, it was oh you're probably right and then yep. like moving on it's oh, like right. they they say it the same tone as uh, just, you know, we'll just keep throwing good bad what movies we've discussed before it's like the scene in dirty work when they change the projector reel to men in black who like to have sex with each other It's like <laughs> it looks like a hot guy yeah better have sex with it like it's, it's said with that same cadence <laughs> So i just like, huh, that was weird. Okay. <laughs> and on that note... Uh... <laughs> now I'm going to go watch Dirty Work. So uh...
0: I think what we've learned with this episode is that we're, re- we're recommending Death Screams, uh, uh... Dirty Work, Tenet. Um, Christopher <laughs> Nolan has some questions to answer.
1: Uh, what else did we learn today? Oh, we learned that... Uh, d- 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 don't make New Year's horror movies. Cause don't. It's just, it's just don't! Or, I, I mean, like... I feel like something like New Year's
0: Evil would be a prime example of something that could be remade by somebody who is able to take that premise and do it, like to its full yes. extent. I think I there agree. is a good idea that could be mined out of that movie.
1: I agree, I, and and of course because we chose horror, we 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 had to forego the the one great New Year set uh, genre movie, which <clears throat> is stra- Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days. But mm-hmm. hey, that's okay uh we'll fit into an episode at some other some other juncture but when, it, when uh, it's more fair <laughs> but it, yeah when it's, it's more yeah just talk about a towering movie <laughs> against like peasants you know but right. uh, i uh I, I yeah i guess what we learned is just just uh, some there you know plenty of christmas horror movies we did the thanksgiving one and uh i i'm i'm happy to take a break from holiday horror <laughs> s- movies for a while because uh, this this one i wouldn't say this one burned me as bad as the thanksgiving one the thanksgiving one's pretty bad <laughs> that yeah that was more painful than this one was <laughs> i think so because i i would i all three of these movies were watchable compared to something like thanks killing uh, yes to, um so that, that there's a leg up there but it's just um You know, it's, you have a limited premise and it's kind of frustrating because two of these movies have good setups that they don't really follow through. One of them is total nutter butter. And also New Year's is in the plot, but still kind of inconsequential, but it, I don't know. I, I would recommend Bloody New Year, um, to people if you know what you're in for of just like it, just accept it makes no sense maybe take some substances first and, yeah, and like, yeah. like have a good time with it. Uh it's currently I think it's about to leave the Arrow Video streaming channel because it's on the leaving soon, but I, it's on Tubi as well. Uh mm-hmm. so it's it's out there. Um but yeah, I don't I don't recommend the other two. What about what about you before we wrap this episode up? Any other any other thoughts?
0: Uh no, I really. I mean, I think I'm with you that I would probably recommend Bloody New Year as a group as a as a singular watch. I spent most of it like fighting with myself to be like, what, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like there's a lesson to be learned here about, about holiday horrors and in, in general is that first and foremost, it has to be a good movie. Like Halloween is not a fantastic horror movie because it takes place on Halloween. It's a fantastic fucking horror movie because John Carpenter is a hell of a director. Uh, and Dean Cundy is a hell of a cinematographer and it, it's just a masterfully made movie that happens to be set on halloween so that is not going to be the saving grace for your movie if your movie's dog shit tacking on a holiday isn't going to save it um but we'll definitely have more holiday horror movies uh uh, categories in the future sorry
1: ryan Uh, oh no it's it's just i got a few so well (laughs) i know i know but i'm just sitting here going like crap like valentine's day probably for sure yep uh it's on the (laughs) list. uh i know we already talked about the first leprechaun but i guess you could do oh. the series for saint patrick's day oh uh, <laughs> well now that you put that out in the universe i regret that <laughs> leaving my mouth um next week it is uh, it is your pick because this was a joint pick and the grinch episode which is our previous one was my pick so uh you're up on deck what are we talking about next week
0: yeah. Uh, so next episode, actually, we're not gonna venture too far from horror. In, in fact, uh, I think these three movies that are in the next one are still in the horror category, but they're not slashers. So we're we're we're, we're still keeping a toe in uh, baby steps, com- comfortable <laughs> waters. But uh, we're going to do Nick Cage, uh, Cage Match Volume Three. Um, all three of the movies uh, feature. Nick Cage having a freak out scene or freaking out the whole movie in uh, one of one of the picks.
1: Well, I, I look forward to it because I can, I can always look forward to some, some cage for sure. Yeah. So I, I am excited for that. But in the meantime, you can find all of our episodes on our website, at good, bad, You can subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Instagram and hive at the good, bad, what, or you could email us at the good, the bad, the what at gmail.com. If you feel generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of reading movies we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes, respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd at C underscore yeah, same. You can find me on Letterboxd at Ryan <laughs> underscore Oliver. Uh, I guess you could also find me on YouTube. I don't remember my alias, but you could type in Ryan Oliver. I cut, <laughs> yes. I cut my, I cut my uh, top twenty-five of the year video uh, this last, you know, in December. So if people want to give that a look, uh, maybe I'll put it in the show notes, and you can check that out. But um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with Nick Cage freakouts.
0: So you got a name, Phantom?
1: Call me Ethan. Even- You please stop saying that